Before we begin, if you're a movie maker looking to double the budget of your latest project, visit moviemaker.com MMPS for Movie Maker production services. We use our industry contacts to get you exactly what you need for half the normal cost. That's moviemaker.com MMPS. Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and today my guest is Ferdinando Chito Filamorino, director of the new Netflix film Beckett which stars John David Washington as an American abroad who gets way over his head in Greece. The film starts pretty conventionally. Washington and Alicia Vikander play a very much in love couple, sightseeing and looking for adventure. But then he finds himself on a solo, disorienting fight for survival and answers. As Ferdinando explains, he wanted to pay homage to some other great fish out of water stories while subverting expectations at every possible turn. We talk about how the film came to be, Washington's very specific line readings, and Ferdinando's professional dynamic with Luca Guadagnino, director of Call Me By Your Name. Ferdinando was a second unit director on that film, and Guadagnino is a producer of Beckett. The film also stars Boyd Holbrook, perhaps best known for Narcos, and Vicky Creeps, who starred in Phantom Thread. And now, Ferdinando Chito Filamorino, director of Beckett. So just to start, congratulations on the movie. Thank I- you. It really drew us in. We had no idea where it was going to go. My wife and I were watching it, and about halfway through, we went, I have absolutely no clue. And then when what happens at about the halfway point happens, we thought the movie was over, and it was kind of really starting. <laughs> it was very cool pacing. Thanks. That, that's, uh, that was uh, very much the intention, and to kind of share the experience with a character who also has no idea where it's <laughs> heading. Why did you call it Beckett? Well, the movie uh, is obviously very much centered on the experience of this character, A, and B, this character happens to be quite um, unusual and unique for this type of film. Uh, And C, it also is obviously an unusual name and it evokes somewhat absurd situations. So it felt right in in, uh, putting this character-centric uh tone uh forward central can you talk about how he's unusual for these types of situations i mean he's not liam neeson in taken yeah well i mean the the most obvious um uh version is he doesn't have the skills to be uh fighting um you know trained killers who are actually after him and want to kill him uh by any means necessary he he doesn't have the skills no secret skills uh uh in the most practical sense but then also in terms of his demeanor in terms of his attitude as we meet him at the beginning of the film we see a man who actually kind of tends to let life happen to him um so he is also particularly unfit to be in a situation where he you know needs to enter in action um so in those in all those ways he is definitely un, unusual um and uh, i guess that also informs how you felt which is ideally how is he going to survive any of this <laughs> right why was john david washington the right person to play him because I noticed in the, his early films, uh, I you know when when I when I got to meet him, he he I, I had seen of what he'd done, uh, Black Klansman and Monsters and Men, 
And in that work, uh, I saw such uh, different performances, regardless of the characters being different, the style that, um, and the techniques that John David seemed to be engaging in were uh, very different. And, and, and the scope seemed to be a, a, a perfectly ambivalent between, on the one hand, empowering his sort of uh, his commanding the screen, let's say, with a, with a cool character as as the character in uh, in Black Klansman, and uh, em embodying that sort of uh, uh, that physical presence yeah. and that coolness. On the on the other movie, I saw a very refined, minimalistic, controlled performance mm -hmm. for a very tormented character. Mm -hmm. And Beckett, in some way, has both of these things. Uh, we have a, a dramatic character who is going through a personal crisis uh, and who has to deal with uh, um, some very uh, life-changing events uh, from his personal perspective. But then also, you know, this genre of, of the Manhunt thriller kind of hijacks his process and then he also needs to engage uh, in this uh, Manhunt film, in this uh, physical adventure and fight for survival. And so it seemed to me like John David absolutely could nail both. Yeah, something he does in this movie that he also does in Tenet and Black Klansman is he doesn't ever force a line. He doesn't ever seem like he's really gonna like heighten the drama. He sort of lets the drama happen around him and then reacts just as he really reacts more than he pushes things. Um, it's very, I find it very understated and I find it very compelling, especially in a movie like this where there's so much tension. Is that anything you talk to him about? The way that he kind of, if he can over deliver a line or under deliver a line, he's going to under deliver it. I think I'm like Thelonious Monk, like coming in like at the back end of the beat instead of the front of it. I like that reference. Um... Yeah, I think that was the tone of the film, you know, that was how we decided uh, because we wanted the film to be grounded in all of its uh, aspects and the way that the violence is performed uh, and the action expresses itself, the outcome of things. There's always something quite, um, uh, yeah, gritty and grounded, but at the same time also quite... Um, somewhat realistic or at least believable and relatable and in that sense um, uh, what you're talking about in his performance it felt because the sheer drama of what he is going through because of something that happens early in the film uh it just felt more natural that way and respectful of what is happening to him yeah i mean he's severely the, the word traumatized kind of gets overused but he's traumatized yeah. in every sense yes as this is going on. Um, are there films that you think people would benefit from seeing before they see this film? I, I thought about, as I was watching it, I thought about Roman Polanski's Frantic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good uh, double bill um, because obviously, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Frantic is obviously a great influence on me. I, I like, I have been inspired by many movies from many different places. Uh, I think of Frantic, but I also think of Odd Man Out by Carol Reed, 
or Missing by Costa Gavras, mm-hmm. um, which has more of that political context uh, boiling around the frame. Um, and uh, so there's a, there's just a, a wide variety if one likes to do to play that double bill game, I guess. I, um, I, you know, my, of course, my attempt, my mission was to try to find a new reason to make a film of that type. As much as I am inspired by these masterpieces, uh, I'm just trying to give a, a personal angle to it. Um, but that said, those are amazing films that we mentioned. So absolutely, <laughs> people should watch them anyway. <laughs> You're opening Locarno. Um, what does that mean to you? I've already opened Locarno. Uh, and uh, it means several things to me. Uh, first of all, uh, the, the sheer prestige of not only participating on one of the oldest festivals there is, this is the 74th year, but that has always uh, supported true independent cinema worldwide and has absolutely maintained its mission today without ever compromising or kind of changing direction. Of course, it it reflects the taste of whoever the director happens to be. And now it's the great John Amazzaro. But um, but always with a clear, un- unabashed focus on independent voices, uh, and so in that sense, I feel, you know, privileged. And the, uh, the fact that they decided to put it in the as the opening night film, which has the biggest screening of all, and uh, it, it just symbolically feels like a blessing and and a great combination, in my opinion, to the streaming release, which will follow just a few days after because it feels like there's a stamp of cinema and then a a, a wide and and strong distribution which is the best I could hope for in the context that we're living in now Um, and secondly you know I I started at Locarno with my first short film so it also feels like a a nice reconfirmation. Um, I don't don't know how old you are but you're a younger filmmaker uh, I think it's safe to say. I'm 34. Yeah. Okay. So you're a millennial filmmaker. Um, How do you feel about the cinematic experience versus the streaming experience? Are you worried about cinema continuing? Are you, do you think that streaming will take over? Take over? No, I think the two, the two will continue to coexist. Uh, I think obviously right now, because of the pandemic, what the, uh, what the growth of the streaming which was, was already happening has been, of course, accelerated. Uh, but um, I feel just like printed books will never leave us. Also, the theatrical experience won't. In fact, probably it will be stronger. Uh, probably what, what it is, is uh, just like in the past, different media has affected the industry in different ways and probably has also affected box office in different ways. I'm thinking of you know, TV, VHS and DVDs, etc. This is just another way to enjoy films, uh, which, by the way, um, I guess has also uh, affected home video uh, in a different way as well. But there's just different ways to watch movies. And I, it, well, what I'm also noticing is, I don't know the numbers, but I presume more films are being produced as a result of mm-hmm. this, uh, of just how many ways there are to see films. 
Uh, so there's a great demand and and I love, you know, cinema to me uh, is born in the theatrical experience, which again is why I was happy to open the Locarno Film Festival. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I feel absolutely confident that it's, it's going to stay with us. The, the important thing is to make sure that it's not only there for, uh, you know, the biggest movies of the year, but that also other types of cinema have access to proper theatrical releases, probably in tandem with streaming uh, in some formula. But uh, I think the two have to coexist healthily. Yeah. I read that you were looking for certain elements with this film and couldn't quite find them in a book to adapt. And so you sort of came up with the elements that you wanted and more or less commissioned a screenplay. Is that a correct? No, it's more frustrating than that. I was super happy with the book. Uh, I wanted to make that book into a movie. It was perfect and it was written by a writer who was definitely better than me, uh, but it wasn't available. Mm. Uh, somebody else bought the rights and uh, meanwhile has not made the movie yet. Uh, uh, although years have passed. So I, you know, I just started writing my own version of the story and then with Kevin Rice developed the script. So it wasn't a matter of not finding. I, I, I find that there are so many amazing stories out there. Uh, you know, I don't, it, it, uh, I, I, I was inspired very much by it, in fact, by that book and by many other books and movies to then create this other version. Can you name the book or? I don't know. I think I don't want to. No, I, I mean that, that right now this movie is this movie you know yeah. so that's uh it's it's way in the past yeah what were the elements without spoilers um what were the elements that you wanted this movie to include well i liked uh the idea that we could experience uh a confusion an alienation and a growing, uh, a, uh, a growing sense of urgency. I liked on the basis of these premises that we could experience a relatable character who was not obviously going to resolve whatever thing was thrown at him, but was going to struggle through it. And so I liked the idea of starting in a way more quietly in a dramatic context and, and seeing somebody who is figuring things out as the story progresses, both in terms of how to survive the situation and in terms of eventually how to resolve the situation. And I, I like this idea of progression. And I wanted to avoid, I wanted to play with the canon, but also to avoid the what to me are the least exciting elements of the canon nowadays, you know, the 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 nationwide public uh, manhunt with the face on TV, uh, all of those, uh, you know, at the secret, the surprise that, oh, actually he's a, a trained uh, former US Marine and he can kick ass. You know, I wanted to avoid all those things. So I, I, I you know that was the premise of what I wanted, but there was also a long list of things I did not want so that we could maintain some feeling of uh, freshness and something that felt more, you know, original and, uh, uh, that had a reason to exist today. He does seem to be a former college football player, so at least he has that. Well, we actually talked about that in preparing the role. It, didn't, it wasn't necessary to, you know, make it explicit in the story, except he does have 
uh, a high school football team hoodie in the movie. Uh, but, uh, but we did use that. And, and, you know, John David was a football player, so he does have the body of somebody who was a professional football player and is not practicing anymore. And definitely that plays into the stamina that he has in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know there's like a whole uh, IndieWire called you Luca Guadagnino's protege. I don't know if you agree with that based on being a second unit director. Just because we primarily, our, our main audience are people who want to break into films. Can you talk about what it is to be a second unit director? What people may not understand about that job um, and how it helped prepare you for this? Well, I think, uh, I mean, you touched exactly on the right problem of conception when you mentioned that, because uh, first of all, I, pr I presume Luca himself would disagree with that definition yeah. because he's the producer of this movie. Yeah. And in fact, uh, from my experience, it, when Luca decides to produce something that's not his own movie, it is only and entirely because he believes in the vision of the director, which automatically means not to interfere with it, but to try to help and empower it and yeah. make sure that all, everything is available at the maximum possibility to make it happen. Uh, in that sense, actually, I was a director of my own stuff produced by Luca and also not produced by Luca way before I was a second unit director. Yeah. I just, you know, after I made my first feature, I, I worked on his films as a second unit director uh, because, you know, I was writing and I, I, I was happy to participate. You know, we all worked on each other's movies, I guess. And uh, that was obviously those were bigger movies than what I was doing. And it was obviously uh, a learning experience. But, you know, it, my identity it was was already my identity as a filmmaker. And uh, those were great experiences also because of our understanding, because you know, he said, I need this and this and that from that scene. Go and do it with a trust that that uh, obviously he had from previously producing my work. Yeah. So in this sense, uh, experiences, you know, you can I, I read so many books from great directors, so many interviews from great directors. And that's kind of my film school because I, I didn't go to film school. Mm -hmm. uh, but the best film school at the end of the day is experience. You know, as, as even Herzog says, just get out there, steal a camera and shoot a film and that <laughs> will be your film school. And I completely agree with that. And obviously being able to do second unit work on, on bigger movies is also experience. Although I have to say the most valuable experience is no matter what the size, doing my own things. The last thing I wanted to ask, the Greek setting is so you just make excellent use of your setting in every way. The beauty of Greece, the politics of Greece. Why Greece? Well, we needed two things mainly from uh, the country the film would be set in. On the premise, of course, of it being a country where our American protagonist will feel uh, alienated and would not know the language. Uh, but the two main elements were a, a form of unrest or a turbulent moment uh, of crisis that would have people engaging in political rallies and protests and so on. And then on the other hand, more visually, a rich variety of landscapes that we could use 
to portray the sheer journey of our character. And Greece had both of these, uh, because I definitely wanted to avoid, in any case, uh, something that was common in international cinema. And in the case of Greece, that would have been shooting in an island, uh, in uh, by the sea, with the sun and all those things. So I, I like the idea of exploring the mainland and the mainland absolutely had plenty to offer in that sense. It was beautiful, remote in the most interesting way and uh, had a feeling, uh, you know, again, going back to that grounded tone that we were talking about, those locations and those villages and people absolutely coincided with that tone very interestingly. Yeah, you really just avoided every cliche. I mean, from the character to the setting, everything. It's very cool. I, look, I, I find that, uh, I mean, already, obviously the, the main character is a tourist. And, uh, you know, you go through the lengths of creating a story of somebody visiting a country and the angle is let, let's visit it in, an, in a way that you maybe wouldn't even if you were to actually visit it. it you know, let's go explore places that people don't normally see uh, so at that point, it comes natural to avoid cliche and try to find something more authentic and more natural, uh, which in many cases meant casting people off the street and put them, putting them in the film um, or uh, finding a location that was so great that actually changing the script to work for that location. Yeah. Oh, well, that's my time. I could ask you a million more questions, but that's, that's what I got. So I really appreciate it. And congratulations on the film. Thank you, Tim. Thanks. That was Ferdinando Cheeto Filamarino, director of Beckett, which is out on Netflix Friday the 13th of August. Would have been more dramatic if I just said Friday the 13th, but we strive for accuracy here. I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker. You can visit us anytime at moviemaker.com. You can check out our print magazine, Movie Maker magazine, and you can subscribe to this podcast or give us a review on Apple. Or you can send it to just one special person in your life and say, you are the only one I'm sharing this with because you are the most important person to me. Thank you for listening and see you very soon.